pray together. Father, I thank you for the worship of this church. And I thank you for the voices and the hands that were lifted up to you. What an encouragement it is to each one of us when we can join with believers and hear others worshiping you. Thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for this worship team. And Father, as you have ministered to us through music, through the singing of your praises and reflecting on you, remembering that you are above any God and you are above all. Father, would you now, as we open your word, would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our minds? Father, would you refresh our souls this evening? Speak to us now, for your children are listening. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We want to welcome you here tonight, and uh, we're still working through this series in the book of Nehemiah. And, uh, but, but before we go there, two chapters in Nehemiah will be in tonight. Nehemiah chapter 10 will be there briefly, and then we'll jump over to Nehemiah chapter 13 uh, as, we, as we walk through his words. But a couple of two couple of things I want to make you aware of. One, our backpacks giveaway that we're doing. We've adopted Sped Elementary. Uh, it takes about $25 to buy a backpack and all of the school supplies that the kids will need. Uh, we, we provide school supplies for them every year, and so this year is no different. Uh, we have 150 of the kids are now provided for, and so if you still haven't had a chance to do that and you'd like to do that, it's about $25. Well, it is exactly $25 per kid. For, per child. Uh, you, you can go to the wor- welcome area and they'll get you lined out. You can drop a check in one of the deposit boxes on your way out or whatever. And we'd love for you to join with us. It's just a wonderful ministry uh, when a church adopts and gets involved in the community and helps kids that their parents wouldn't be able to afford school supplies. Also, August the 22nd, mark your calendars. Uh, we're going to do our first night of worship. And it's going to be a, it's going to be awesome. And you guys plan on coming. Uh, we'll get you more details, but we wanted you just to be able to mark your calendars now before that. Well, okay. Tonight we're going to go into Nehemiah a little bit deeper. We're going to look at some things uh, that may be a little bit different for many of us. And and I. I want to talk about this subject tonight because it's, it's very personal to me out of some things that I've come out of it in my life, in ministry, and in life, and in some other things. But we want to look at this issue of rest and that God has created us to rest. And that's foreign to a lot of us. And so my life, and let me tell you something, I absolutely love what I do. I mean... I love every area. Well, almost every area. <laughs> Got to be honest. <laughs> there are those things, but we all have those things, right? It's associated with any job. I absolutely, positively love what I do. I am addicted to life change. 
to watching people come in who are very, very far away from God. I am probably more comfortable with people very far away from God. I mean, there is something about that, that freshness, and addicted to this issue of people that are very far away from God, and that they can come into our church and they come into our ministry without any guilt, without any judgment, without any criticism, and be engaged to try to find God or allow God to find them and respond to him. And I'm addicted to that. And so I, I became pastor, many of you guys know, in 1999. And we really and truly, when I became pastor, we didn't know if we'd ever celebrate another birthday here. I mean, it was a difficult deal. And those of you that were with us, you know that. And so um, there was a... And then all of a sudden, God began to bless the ministry. And it was full on. And my life being addicted to life change and being addicted to ministry and being addicted to what you love. And I always lived an unbalanced life, whether it was in engineering or ministry, so some of it's just how I'm wired. That it was just like this flood, and I felt like a minnow in a flash flood. Ever felt like that? This life is coming so fast, and you're just hanging on. As a result of that, I began working seven days a week, long hours here at the church office, going home, eating dinner, going down into the basement to my home office, writing sermons and doing stuff till very late at night. And then you get up and, and you do it all again the next morning. Uh, it, it, the ministry kept growing and we kept adding services and all this other stuff. Uh, became a chaplain because it allowed me to get with people that are really, really far away from God. And I was on the scenes of some pretty difficult things and all this other stuff. And then came the day when I started experiencing health issues from stress-related issues. Medical tests that kept proving nothing was wrong physically. Went to a counselor, and I'm gonna be, this may make you a little uncomfortable. Pastors may, may never have opened up their life like I'm about ready to open up my life to you. And so I went to a counselor and the counselor looked at me and heard all that I was doing and everything. And he's like, he's like, you're going to burn out. You're, you're probably burned out now. And he's what I do. And so he says, well, you need a hobby. Uh, you need a hobby. You need rhythms in life. You need rest. You need a day off. And then where you're at right now, you need six months sabbatical where you just do nothing but just refuel. And I'm like, well, that's, that's absolutely not going to happen. I mean, aren't we like that sometimes? We go to someone for help and then we tell them why we know it's just not going to happen. So I continued on until I totally, I mean, this may be, sound weird to you. I could no longer hang up clothes in the closet. Men, don't use this as an excuse. <laughs> because one day I did, and I couldn't find a coat hanger, and I totally lost it. To where simple things in life emotionally were overwhelming to me. I talked to some Christian doctors. I went to my doctor and learned that, you know what, your serotonin level is, is so depleted and so destroyed that uh, you have some options. And uh, so I took a serotonin inhibitor. Uh, 
depression medication. For like six months. So that I could function and rebuild and have the, the mental energy and emotional energy. I resigned from some things. I quit doing some things. And I learned. There are some things that I learned in the wilderness of this about this issue of rhythms of life. There's issue of, of, of rest in life. And I learned that, listen, let me just, so, so we're all clear. Depression is not a sin. Refusing to do anything about it is. Amen. Refusing to get help. Refusing to come to the point to where you admit, I've got a problem and I need a help, whether it's from a medical doctor, whether it's from a counselor. And I learned some things in this wilderness of my life that to rest is to trust God. Amen. A lot of times that's why we just work unbalanced because we don't know that we could really trust him. I learned fatigue and faith does not go hand in hand. Because you could come to the point to where you could no longer sense God because you're so burned out. And I learned that God created us and designed us and designed our bodies to rest. And See, our drivenness, and I'm talking to you type A's, our drivenness can never view a God that can look down at you and say, that's enough. Go home, rest, love your wife, love your family, love your kids, hang out, take a vacation, take a break. We view this God as just like, it's just like never enough. And we can never view him that we can recharge and we can spend time away and, and rest. And man, I learned this, that God is not dependent upon my exhaustion to get his work done. And he's not dependent upon your exhaustion to do in your life, what he has created you to do. And so the children of Israel had wandered away from God and they quit doing some things and some principles that God had called them to do. And so watch this, Nehemiah chapter 10, 28. Here we go. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land and the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who had knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. So they're coming back to him. Remember, they had wandered from him. They're coming back to him. They're making a commitment to walk with him again. That was given Moses, a servant of God, to observe all and do all of the commandments of our Lord, our, our Lord, and his rules and statutes. So here's some of their commitments. We will not give our daughters and the, to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. We're going to make a commitment to family. So they start making these commitments. They start making these, these oaths as they come back to him. We're going to make a commitment to our family. And if the peoples of this land bring in any goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we will forego the crops of the seventh year because God has created everything to rest. There are rhythms, whether it's, whether it's animals, whether, whether it's uh, vegetation, whether it's the earth. There's all the, and we are no different. And so they're making these commitments. And so on the seventh year, an exaction of every debt. 
of debt. So they, they'd quit honoring the Sabbath. Here's what, what happened, and they use the same excuse that we use many times in our life, in our world. They, they were, what, what had happened is when the walls were down in Jerusalem, the economy was, was, was in the tanks. There was, uh, it was no longer a recession. It became a depression, and then it was a really difficult deal. And so as a result of that, the, slave, the, not slave, the, the traders no longer went through Jerusalem, but occasionally they did. And if they came on a Sunday, then they'd trade with them. And so what they were saying is, God, you do not understand. World, we're moving at too high. We're, it's too fast pace. And if I got to work seven days a week, I got to work seven days a week. I got to work when, when, when I'm available and when they're available. And so they quit using the Sabbath or quit honoring the Sabbath. It was no longer a priority in their life. And the good news is this, that God has a plan for our life and it's to rest. And so Nehemiah started re-implementing some things of God. And so watch this, Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 through 18. In those days, I saw in Judah people treading uh, wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain. So he's watching this, okay? So he's watching people break the Sabbath. Remember Nehemiah chapter 9, they made a commitment no longer to do that. They made the commitment. And loading them on donkeys and also wine grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads which they had brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food uh, also, and, and who lived in the city, they, they brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people in Judah. In Jerusalem itself, watch this, then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, so he's, 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 he's uh, confronting the politicians, the leaders of their day. What is this evil thing that you are doing? Profaning the Sabbath day. Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not our God watch? There was consequences. Bring disaster on us and on this city. Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning. Here it is again. By profaning the Sabbath. And so is it possible? Just ask the question. Is it possible for New Testament believers to profane the Sabbath? Does this principle... As New Testament believers, of honoring God one day a week, of resting one day a week, does this principle still apply to New Testament believers today? I think it does. And I think it's very important to understand how, why, and how we go about it. First thing is this. I was created, and you were created by God to rest. We are created to rest. It's a part of God's plan. Fact is, it was so important to God, he put it in the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment, right? I mean, watch this. Uh, here we go. In Exodus, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Here's the interesting thing about this. This is the command, Ten Commandments, more words than any other commandment. He did a lot to explain it. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your sons, your daughter, your male servant or female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. And then watch this, verse 11. For, so he's going to tell you why. That's why I love Scripture. God only not, not only tells you what to do and how to do it, but he tells you why. Amen. Because he cares. 
He wants you to understand. For in six days the Lord made heaven on earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed, watch this, the Sabbath day, and he made it. He made it holy. Do you know when we honor the Sabbath, we're honoring, we're honoring God? It's a testimony of creation that God created the world. It's a testimony that we're different from the world and that we worship God. And God said that, that I created the world in six days and on the seventh day I rested. And so, in other words, there's one day a week that we declare that there is a God. And so, remember the Ten Commandments are a commandment, not a suggestion. What's amazing to me about contemporary Christians and me before my wilderness, me before my destruction, and listen, you know what pulled me out of mine? Is when I came downstairs on a Saturday morning and my wife looked at me and said, when are you going to get help? You can't keep doing this and survive. We can't keep doing this. When is enough enough? And what's amazing to me, when you talk about this subject, and I know Old Testament, New Testament, I understand all that, we're going to go through it, is contemporary Christians will say, we believe in nine out of the ten. We believe nine still for us, but that other one, so let's just go through them right real quick. So uh, we believe we shouldn't have any gods uh, uh, b before us other than him, right? Okay, a couple of you. Well, maybe we'll get better. Maybe there's more we don't believe in. I don't know. Now you guys got me nervous. Okay, so here we go. So we believe that you shouldn't have any gods before him. We believe that we shouldn't have idols. We, should, we believe that we shouldn't take his name in vain. Uh, uh, we believe that, that what, what, we'll skip four, okay? We'll just skip four. So then we believe that, that we need to honor our mother and father. We, uh, we believe that we shouldn't murder. We believe that we shouldn't commit adultery. We believe that we shouldn't steal. We shouldn't lie. And we shouldn't covenant, covet, right? So, okay, so we're good with that. We also believe, right, that there's consequences to those if we break them. Okay? There's consequences that if I murder someone, there's a consequence. If I lie, there's a consequence. If I cheat, if I steal, there's a consequence. But also we believe, right, that there's a benefit if I don't. If I don't murder, if I don't lie, if I don't steal, if I don't commit adultery, then there is a benefit. So we're good with that. Then why do we come down to number four, honor the Sabbath, make God a priority in your life one day a week, and we say, oh, no benefit, no consequence. God said this, there's not only a consequence, but... There's a benefit. Do you realize under judicial law of their time, three of the Ten Commandments brought the death penalty? Commit adultery. Uh, if you didn't honor your mother and father, the kid was stoned. I mean, after the first one got stoned, it kind of straightened the rest of them up. <laughs> Just say it. And then the other one, breaking the Sabbath. How many times do we go to the doctor and we're sick and they say, what you need is rest? What would have happened if we rested before the illness? What would have happened 
If we had understood this rhythms of life, and listen, let me tell you something. There are, there are some Christian doctors right now doing huge, one from Harvard. Uh, Dr. Swanson has been writing books. Margin was his first book, and the overload syndrome and some other things that are coming out about physically what happens, medically that what happens. And, and I, could, I could give you all kinds of statistics, but what had, what had happened? If we had rested before the illness, because I'm going to tell you what. Yeah, God blessed this church and God because he honored his word and all this other stuff. But I suffered, my family suffered, our church suffered. Faith and fatigue does not go hand in hand. Nehemiah 13, 19, 21. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of the Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded, so watch this, I commanded because he had observed it that the doors should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. I stationed some men and uh, some of my servants at the gates that no load may be brought in on the Sabbath day. So guess what? He was their accountability partner. Do you realize I have to have, because I, I am wired this way, I got to have people in my life make sure that I have proper rhythms of life. Then the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, why do you lodge outside these walls? If you do so again, watch this, I will lay hands on you. That was not for prayer. <laughs> Fact is, Nehemiah was a bad dude. I mean, a lot of times we kind of synthesize, uh, uh, kind of, uh, we just make Christianity nice. Nehemiah, later on in 13, we don't have time to read it, he got upset at some guys, he ran over to them, and he pulled their beard out. I mean, he was mean motor scooter. So, so anyway, from that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. They were scared of him. The first one is this, God has created us for rest. The second thing is this, when I rest, I am refreshed. Man, when I rest, when I have rhythms of life, I am refreshed. Exodus 13, 31, 12 through 17. And so the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For there is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may, you may know that I, the Lord. Sabbath is an awareness of God in your life and sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes, there's that word again, it shall be put to death. You know why I believe that breaking the Sabbath carried the death penalty? They were already dying. It was already a slow death. Emotionally. Even spiritually. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it that shall be cut off from among his people. Six days uh, shall work be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath, a solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. So he's, you get the picture. Uh, Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep their Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout generations as a covenant. Covenant forever? It's a sign forever? How long's forever? Sign forever? Between me and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day... He rested, and he was refreshed. God was refreshed. It's not a physical being. He was refreshed. How does that work? I mean, if God doesn't have a physical body, then he doesn't get 
tired. See, the problem is we only think about the physical body. Is it possible that we have overlooked the greatest benefit that a day to remember the Lord, to honor Him, refreshes our soul? Physically, we, yeah, we, we can gut through it. Life may not be fun. Relationships may be difficult. You ever heard someone say, sorry, I'm so tired, I can't even think? I'm so emotionally exhausted right now, I can't even deal with that situation in my life. I can't even deal with that individual. You ever heard someone just blow up and get angry? They say, I'm sorry I got so mad. I'm just tired. Why don't we just be honest? I don't have rhythms of life. I'm not resting. How many problems would be solved in our life? Psalms 1. Don't have time to read it. Would be solved if we really believed the commands of God. And we really believed his word. See, the the Pharisees had turned the Sabbath into this religious duty, and that's not what I'm talking about tonight. And they were upset because the disciples were violating the principles of men. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said this to them, the Sabbath was what? Was made for man. It's a benefit to you. I made it for you. So you'd rest, so you'd be refreshed, so you remember who I am and it would refuel you. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. He was telling them it was a blessing and some kind of push back and say, wait a minute, I'm worried you're moving into legalism. Our problem is not legalism, it's liberalism. Just anything goes. And some of us, some of you tonight, well, you need to slow down. And I've been there. And you know what, honestly... I'm still coming out of it. And I'm a lot better than I was a couple of years back. I underestimated how long it would take me to get back to where I was, oh, we can can suck it up and we've been in church long enough to put on the face and gut through it and we're dying inside. And we're empty inside. And we're the only one that knows. Forbes magazine had a a feature interview with Wayne uh, Mueller, and he's been doing a lot of research in Sabbath Restored and Sacred Rhythms of Rest. And he's a graduate of Harvard, and he's talked about the Sabbath, and he's written about the Sabbath, and he's talked about the deep rhythms of life and of work and rest. And when we get out of those rhythms, then there's there's this deep sense of undernourishment and because he writes in this book, good things can kill you. It wasn't bad. People were getting saved. People were changing their life. 
Marriages were getting healed, and men, tons of great stories. It wasn't a bad thing being a, a, a volunteer police chaplain and riding with the officers and going to the scenes, and you know, I got a badge, and so that was a cool deal. <laughs> Wore a bulletproof vest, and none of those things were bad. None of those things in of themselves were sin. And the Pharisees had made this issue of Sabbath religious duty. In fact, is it's still religious duty in Israel today. I took a group to Israel a couple of years back, and we were there on, on the Sabbath. And uh, they, they had several banks of elevators. And I, so I went to one elevator, and it was totally dead. It was, didn't work. And I'm like, what's up with this? And so they're like, oh, it's the Sabbath. You can't work. You need to walk the stairs. And I'm like on the 10th floor. I'm like, how can walking 10 flights of stairs... <laughs> be easier than this. <laughs> I just didn't get it. And so uh, they had a couple of elevators. It would st- you know, one set would stop at the even number floors and another one set at the odd floors because nobody could touch a button. And so they had, they had made it religious. They, they had made it something. There was a religious duty and it was the laws of man and they were man-made rules. But look at this psalm. Psalms 92 is about the Sabbath. It's a psalm of the Sabbath. In fact, it is in your Bibles, depending on, you know, hopefully your Bible has that, but NIV, ESV, some of the other translations have. It's a song for the Sabbath. And so here, look at this. Uh, verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, your faithfulness by night. So that is part of your Sabbath. And I'll talk about real briefly before we end tonight about what my Sabbath looks like. Uh, verse 10. But you have exalted my horn like, the, like that of a wild ox, and you have poured over me fresh oil. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Our anointing, the presence of God in our life, is tied to the Sabbath. What a great promise. Because I took a day, I'm spiritually and emotionally refreshed. What an unbelievable deal. It'd be like driving your car and never stopping to change the oil. And like that Fram oil commercial, you can pay me now, or you can pay me later. Man, my Sabbath is not Saturday or Sunday because I don't know if you know this, but I like work on the weekends. <laughs> and I never in ministry had a finish line, and now I have a finish line. And on, on, on my Sabbath, it's not religious duty. It's not legalism. It is a day that I totally disconnect from my normal routine, which is the same for you, whatever that routine is. And I totally detach. No cell phone. Listen, when I was in my wilderness... And my cell phone was going constant. One time I thought if Alexander Bell walked in this office, I'd punch him out right now. (laughs) 
No cell phone, no text message, no Twitter, uh, no, no, uh, no email, nothing. I am totally detached. I wake up in the morning. Uh, I do an extended time of life journaling, scripture reading, prayer. And then you know what? I may do chores around the house. I'm with family. I'm with friends. Because that's what the Sabbath was about in the Old Testament. It was about relationships. It was about family and relationships and pouring into one another. And you know what? My Sabbath starts Sunday evening. uh, Because by the time after three services and all that go on on the weekends, weddings or whatever else we do or I do, uh, by, by, by Monday morning you don't want to be around me because I'm like done. And I totally disconnect. Can I just tell you, uh, when I instituted this here as a requirement for our pastors, I finally had to threaten some of them with their job. So you just can't, you're just not going to do that. I, I emailed their wife, all of their wives, said, your husband breaks this, you call me. I'll take care of it. It was a hard concept. But I can tell you this, the nonstop emails, the nonstop work will wipe you out. Go on to 90, Psalm 92. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like cedar of Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of God. Watch this, verse 14. They still bear fruit in old age. They're ever ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Would you like to be fresh and flourishing in your old age? Some of you are going, I just hope I make it. I'm just so tired right now, I can't even imagine keeping this up. Isaiah 58, 13 says this, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure. It's my problem. Oh, my holy day. And call a Sabbath, a del- and call the Sabbath a delight. And the holy day of the Lord is honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways, even if it's good, even if it's ministry. Or seeking your own pleasure. You'll see it as delight. That's a benefit. If you'll honor him. Verse 14. Then you shall take delight. In the Lord. And I'll make you ride on the heights of the earth. And I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
Here's one of the overwhelming, one of the last, I've learned a lot of principles through my burnout and all that other stuff. One of the things that I learned the most, God does not reveal the intimate things of him, of his heart, to those who casually come and go. I'm telling you. I'm in this for the long haul. And there, thank you. And there was a period that I didn't know if I could continue here because of my exhaustion. And there's some of you tonight that you're wondering if you can continue. in your pace of life, breaking all kinds of rhythms, not understanding about rhythms and rest and being refreshed, not seeing it as a benefit, not coming to the point to where you can view God as a loving, good God that says, enough. Not coming to the point that you realize that you can just cease and you can trust God for a day to pull away. Some of you tonight, you may need to accept Christ for the very first time in your life. And he's a loving God and he cares for you and he loves you deeply. And he has created you. And by that, he knows what is best for you. Some of you here tonight, You may be exhausted mentally, physically, relationships, stressed. I'm telling you, life is totally different to me. I view my wife, my kids, my friends, God, totally different than I did when I was in the midst of exhaustion. Would you bow your heads with me? But I just want to pray for you. Chad's going to lead us in worship. That Would you just understand who he is, who God is, and pull close to him tonight and allow him to refresh you, allow him to minister to you this night. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. That even when the children of Israel in the book of Nehemiah, even when they wandered for you from you and broke your Sabbath, you gave them another chance. And you restored them and you refreshed them. What a story they have. What a story I have. I thank you for ministering to me during that time. I thank you for... T- for helping me to understand some biblical principles. And Father, I thank you that you're a good God and you designed us to rest and we can trust you. 
And so, Father, I pray for this body. I pray for those that are exhausted tonight. I pray for those that may be dealing with this tonight. Father, will you minister to them? Would you speak to them? Would you refresh them? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.